The Real Investment Show. Well, we had a good day yesterday. Tesla announced that it was moving to Austin. Did you read that? I did. I did. Out of California. So that's going to be a nice uh, change. Uh, Other big new sign. Don't mess with Tesla. Don't mess with Tesla. Don't mess with Tesla. Uh, He's going to really enjoy Austin. I mean, we all enjoy Austin, but I think he's in the outskirts of Austin. I think he's going, I think, aren't they? Aren't they? And they're not like in in Austin proper. I think they're on the the outskirts of that. Um, But too bad he broke up with his girlfriend because the communist manifesto that she reads, she really enjoyed in Austin. Um, Good study that came out. And this is good time of year because what happens, Danny, you always remind me what happens this time of year. We get enrolled, not only open enrollment for Medicare, but employees get their benefits package, you know, their selections they need to make for next year, right? Correct. Busy, busy time of year. So the um, one in three workers saw higher health costs this year, right? That's a survey that was came out Thursday from the Employee Benefit Research Institute that uh, – I get emails from. So um, we talk about this a lot, right? That we see more working Americans that are bearing the burden of healthcare costs. And um, these expenses, this has been published out by CNBC, uh, led some employees to decrease retirement plan contributions, delay going to the doctor, increase credit card debt, or use up most of their uh, savings. Wow. But we talked about this. We also talked about how employees are going to sh- shoulder more of the burden of health care costs, right? That's exactly right. And, and look, we knew coming out of the pandemic that these things were likely going to go up. We just weren't sure what the cost of inflation would be here. Um, but being an open enrollment period, I think this is a great opportunity to really take a, a good look at what your benefits are mm-hmm. and make sure you're not leaving anything on the table. I mean, this is one of the deals that you know, you're getting a lot. From your employer because they're subsidizing it because typically we're, we're utilizing it in a larger scale and large groups so make sure you're taking care of your disability make sure you're looking at life insurance this is a really easy way i know we talked about it a little bit on wednesday we had some conversations today about it yep um this is something though that you know a lot of times your spouse may need insurance and sometimes you can't get coverage but within a certain amount you may be able to do a group coverage um, so this is a great opportunity. Make sure you're getting in the weeds here and understanding exactly what those benefits are. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at some of the numbers here. Uh, a firm called Milliman, the firm looks at costs for a family of four covered by average employer-sponsored uh, PPO plan. 8.4% jump expected uh, for the upcoming year. To twenty eight thousand two fifty two two hundred and fifty six bucks. So, listen, this isn't chump change. You have to look at your employer package with fresh eyes. Don't overlook anything and work to mitigate risks, as Danny is saying, um, to make sure that um, you know you are taking the right insurance. You are looking at uh, disability coverage. And Danny, I think a lot more people will probably look at health savings accounts. You have to. I mean, and 
And those accounts are a no-brainer. The problem is there's still not a lot of education around it. So people still get them mixed up with the FSA's flexible spending accounts. The health savings account is the hidden gem of investment vehicles. It's unfortunate that we can only put so little into it. But um, if you have the ability to put it, put funds into it, use out-of-pocket funds for medical expenses, save this. We know what the numbers are in retirement, how expensive healthcare costs are when you're 65 and old, older. This can be a fantastic way uh, to, to put funds aside. And the only account that gives you that triple tax benefit. It does. It's a powerful tool. Now, the challenging part, based on the employer research report, is how do I actually treat this HSA as a, re- uh, a health care retirement 401k where I don't have to touch it, where I can put the money away and use maybe an after-tax source and allow that money to build and allocate that money and you know, place it into an allocation. I always think like even using Lance's 401k plan manager in the newsletter is a good way to do it. And, but more and more people obviously may actually need to tap those funds. So it's going to be a challenge, but yeah, you are going to be, and I wrote this in my book in 2012, you are going to be responsible more and more for your own health care expenses, just like you are for your retirement. And you see how that's going. Mm-hmm. All right, we get back. So Chris is going to go over some really cool stuff with the FAFSA, what you need to know. Also, a mistake that I almost someone someone almost made that I think uh, would have cost a lot of money when it comes to the FAFSA. So when we return, we're going to go over some really good stuff because it is that time of year here on The Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So um, Chris Liebman is another one of our team members who's very well-versed in Social Security. I would dare to say, Chris, we probably have one of the deepest benches of professionals who understand Social Security. Yes. And I think that that's a real benefit to making sure people make the right decisions. Also, very important, college planning and the FAFSA. So if you are ready to look at your FAFSA application, and I will tell you, I talk to more people that say, you know what, I can't even qualify for any kind of aid or anything else, so I'm not even going to bother. And I'm like, why? Why aren't you bothering? So uh, Chris is going to go over some of the things that you need to know, because if you don't know these things, it can cost you thousands of dollars. So thanks for being here with us, Chris. Well, good morning, everybody. And that's so true. You know, October 1st year is the beginning of FAFSA season. And one of the biggest mistakes that's made is just not filing the FAFSA or not filing it on time. You could miss out on thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. It's really the first hurdle that the college sets in place for you when they're determining financial aid and the available aid to give to you as far as grants and scholarships, et cetera. You know, it, this time of year is when you need to sit down and download the application for FAFSA, look through it, review it. If you have questions, you know, reach out to somebody that can help you. There's help on the website. You know, you can go to our website and on our website and click uh, my name there and ask for assistance. So we can sit down and have a conversation about your FAFSA. One of the biggest mistakes I've seen over the years is just 
you know, failing to do it correctly as well, you know, along with not filing. It seems like it's, it's a lot from years ago. It seems like the form it seems more user-friendly than it was in the past. Like, even though to your point, I think the FAFSA's got this reputation of being very difficult. If you just step back and answer the questions, I don't know if it's as difficult as it was before, but it almost feels like filling out your income taxes. Uh, forms, even though it's not, you know, like you said, it is intimidating. And, and many people decide, uh, Danny, as well, that, hey, why bother? Like, I make too much money. Like, everybody jumps to these assumptions. Like, you got to, like, clear your mind. And if you have a child going to school to complete this form. And that's, you know, true there. Uh, one of the things that, you know, when people think they make too much money and not do it, I think that's just an excuse of, I don't want to fill out that form. It does look scary, but it's not as hard as you think. Mm -hmm. As long as, you know, the family does it as a team, you know, the parents and the student to sit down and do it together, to set aside the time to make sure that you're not doing it in a rush and that you have time constraints to get it done. You know, once you complete it, you know you've done it. Um, you know, we see that, you know, they get down to the question there about the, um, when the, you know, about the, what's your value of your retirement accounts today or your investments today, not your retirement accounts. And, you know, so many people see that and think about, well, they're 401k, 403b, things like that, IRAs, and they're quick to grab those statements and place that total amount in that line. And that's where the biggest mistake is made as far as the numbers on that FAFSA. Mm -hmm. That can blow up your estimated family contribution and make it look like that you have more to contribute to your college um, finances than you really do. Um, What's excluded, Chris? Like you said, if I had my 401k, because people would say, they'll list your assets, but meanwhile, your 401k doesn't count, or well, your retirement account doesn't go into the equation. Uh, does your home? Your home does not. Well, your primary residence doesn't go into the equation. Talk a little bit about how your 529 that you've set up for your child fits into this equation? Well, they're going to take a look at the funds coming out of the 529 uh, that could be available assets there. And there are strategies to set up a 529 to um, how to bring those funds out of that 529 where it doesn't upset your uh, calculation there. And that'd be a conversation to sit down with your financial advisor, uh, CPA, to um, determine the best way to move those funds out of the 529 at the proper timing. And perhaps the, uh, you know, who's making the payments, who's the owner of that 529. Um, and, you know, because anybody can make contributions to the 529. But, you know, who owns it? The grandparents, the parents, uh, somebody else. So, But not the entire 529 counts, correct? There's a percentage. It's a percentage. Yeah, it's a small percentage of the 529. Now, I will tell you where people make a lot of mistakes is where they'll have custodial accounts which is an irrevocable gift to the child, which is what years ago what everybody would do and not realize that the age of majority, one, your child can just go into any brokerage office and say, hey, I want to take that six figures out and buy my boyfriend a car. And there's nothing you could do about it. Okay, so those are not really the best savings vehicles. And I do think that that would count on the FAFSA as an asset. Yeah, once, right? it, once it shows up as funds available, then, you know, whether it's in a checking account, savings account, things like that, you know, that's one of the mistakes I made years ago is I pulled some money out of an IRA to help fund college. Well, immediately that became an asset that showed up on my income tax form and it looked like I had a higher income level than I actually did. Ah, so because you took a distribution. 
Correct. from your IRA. Therefore, it is ordinary income, just like it triggers taxation on Social Security and possible IRMA charges, right? You pulling money out of your IRA can be a negative for the FAFSA because it looks like income. Correct. Ah, see, don't do it. Don't do it, Lance. Lance yeah. is asking about cash inside personally owned LLCs or small businesses. How, does, how do businesses get um, looked at when it comes to FAFSA? Well, that could fall into play more with the CSS profile. The CSS profile digs deeper and wider. So they're asking about, you know, the value of a business, uh, the assets that are there. Uh, what do you own? How much of it? You know, the uh, CSS, I guess the best explanation there is when you finish that, they're going to know about the pennies and your penny loafers. Um, <laughs> that's how much detail they're looking for in a CSS profile. And that's typically for your private colleges. Uh, so I know... Lance was talking about yesterday how I believe his son was looking at going to MIT. And uh, so that's private college. They're probably going to ask for the CSS profile. So they're going to dig deep as far as his finances. You brought something up very important because this is what I did with my daughter, Haley. Allowing the student to complete this form as a family project. So when I looked through it, the first thing, because the kid's in memory for mathematics, but she's always been pretty smart with forms and being diligent about things. It was a good exercise for her and it became a money lesson for me with her. Dad, what kind of income accounts? Like what what, you know, like we had this whole in discussion about income and how it's derived uh using the FAFSA. So the point is I I think something Chris brought up, embrace this kind of endeavor. Don't be afraid of it and bring the kids into it. Like, in other words, give them skin in the game looking at this form. And it can become, now, it may be a pain in the neck for you because your child's going to ask you all kinds of questions. And it may be frustrating if you can't answer them. This is the way you turn to Chris or your financial advisor or us and say, hey, what do I say here? But, um, so, but it is, um, I think, a great idea to bring or engage your child who's going to college into the FAFSA. Certainly, and that uh, should always be a family conversation when you're working on the FAFSA or anything else related to the college, uh, to have it be a family affair, a family event. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I saw uh, working with a client, was she had her son filling out the FAFSA himself. Uh, she's, he sent a text to her to ask her what the value of their mutual funds were that day. She calls up the financial advisor. Financial advisor gives her the number. She texts it back to son. Son puts it in the FAFSA. Oh, boy. And messed up the FAFSA. Oh, boy. Uh, made it look like they had all kinds of assets available for college. Uh, no financial aid, no scholarships, no grants. By the time they figured out the mistake and went back to the financial aid office, it was too late. They'd missed out on the opportunities they could have had. And had it's the school. vehicle, you see? Keep this in mind when you complete this. It's the vehicle those funds lie in. If most of, like most people's wealth is in their home and or their retirement accounts, that is not going to count. To your point, Chris, you can very well say, well, I've got, you know, I've got six figures in a mutual fund yes. or an S&P fund. But you're, but okay, but it's in my retirement account. So I could see that being a major pitfall. You want to double check your kid's work and not just let your kid handle it all on his or her own. You want to go through and double check it 
because you're not going to find this form fun either. Uh, so that's why you got to keep as positive a thought around it as possible. And I, you know, as we went through this FAFSA, Haley and I, I knew like she wasn't going to get anything. Um, but it, I said, we have to do it because you just never know. This is the first step. But I looked at the education around completing it more than anything else. Um, so there's your weekend project. Well, don't these also have an effect on any kind of grant money that you might qualify for? And, and how much grant money goes unused every year? There's quite a bit of money out there, and a lot of it gets missed because you didn't file the applications. Or, you know, there's just a lot of scholarship opportunities. And that's where, you know, when my girls were in college, mm -hmm. you know, or getting ready to go to college, we looked for scholarships. We built our own list. We had about 20 scholarships we applied for every year, but we had a system and a process to do that and how to find the scholarships, how to, you know, stay ahead of them, calendar them out so you had everything in on time. You know, I had a friend he's a coach at a school and he shared a text that he'd received from one of the students it was like about 4 45 in the afternoon the student says hey frank can you um do a recommendation letter for my scholarship it needs to be done by five o'clock if you don't have it by five i won't won't have a chance to get the scholarship well it's crazy right wait till the last minute you can't do that especially with the way the postal service is working nowadays it may never get there anyways listen i've had a nightmare about the postal service based on my last visit um so when we get back, we're going to continue this because there are some other steps. And I want to talk to you about something I almost looked at when you apply for Medicaid, say for your parents, like a spend down, which doesn't work when it comes to this FAFSA deal. Uh, so it's very important. Saves you thousands of bucks. We get back, we're going to continue this conversation with the group. Stay tuned. All right. JP wants a Grandma Rosso. Poor Grandma Rosso. She's like, let me rest in peace. Grandma Rosso put in my head, if I don't go to college, she will kill me. You won't live long enough because you must, because they were janitors. And at that time, I mean, in the 70s, college was it. I mean, I, I, I don't agree with that view anymore. I think there are people that are just not designed for college. Again, I wrote this in my book in 2012. Lance talks about it all the time. There, there are people who are craftsmen who make tremendous amounts of money and they do a great job. Not everybody's designed to go to college, but in my family, so that I've been, I would have been the first one, whew, I, was, I was scared straight into college. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> See, Grandma what, what did Grandma Rosso used to say to you? She'll kill me. You won't even live long enough, you know. So, but the thing was with Grandma Rosso, um, Grandma Rosso, I've got two master's degrees now. Okay. I'm happy. All right. <laughs> so, we're talking about the FAFSA, and it's a little prep before you even get to the form. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Right? That's what Brent told me about No Time to Die, but I'm going to look at it. Uh, get your statements together, right? Get all your forms together. Get the list of schools that you want to send to, right? You can do up to what, 10 schools? Up to 10 schools. Up to 10 schools. What this is also is, is an igniter of information for other things, as Brent brought up. Scholarships. Now, scholarships are mostly, I think, merit-based, but it does get the attention of the school. 
So it is a way to get to, to get the door open, regardless if you're going to get financial aid or not. Right? So it's the door opener or the knock on cor- the door. Correct. That's true. Not in no time to die because we don't knock on that door. We're not knocking on that door anymore. Thanks to Brent. Okay, go ahead. And that's the first hurdle you know, yeah. to get over. And then, you know, let's say you make too much money, you don't qualify for uh, need-based aid. Then now they can take a look at, they ensure that you don't qualify for need-based aid. They can move on, look at merit-based aid. Mm-hmm. You know, what did your child do in school? Good grades, activities, things like that. What else could they qualify for? Honors. Uh, yes. There's so many opportunities out there for grants. Maybe the school's trying to build uh, a bigger uh, student base of females in an engineering school or something like that. So maybe they're going to focus well, on trying to bring those students in. Chris, so that's a great point because here's the thing. You have to treat almost a school has, I hate to use the word, but a quota of some kind or saying, hey, we don't have enough females in our engineering group, right? Right. Um, I think this is what happened to my daughter, right? Uh, when she got into Emory, they don't have a lot of females going into mathematics, right? It's, she's got into to do the PhD in math, but, and she got the f- full ride, which I never expected, right? It's, and, I, and she was surprised too. And I said, well, it's because the school is looking at, well, we don't have as many females. Of course, I really do hope it's based on her aptitude. And she did a lot of projects with the school beforehand, but I'm saying you just don't know what kind of skills your child has, right? That the FAFSA brings to light for one of these schools because it's more than an academic issue and it's more than a financial aid issue, right? It's a combination of both. Uh, there's a, a metric that they use as far as you know where you are on the financial scale, where you are on the grade scale uh, to look at. You, know, you have to think of college as a business. They're trying to fill seats. Uh, they have to fill seats in order to stay open and pay the bills. Uh, so you know, the way I kind of look at college is they're marketing to get you in the seats, get you through school, and then the day you leave, you become part of the Alumni Association. The first letter you get in the mail is going to be, you know, Richard, would you like to donate $1,000 to the scholarship fund because your daughter had so much fun here at Emory? Uh, so, you know, it's a marketing organization. She's going to receive those letters for years. They're hoping that she goes out and gets a great job, that she loved her time up there so much that she's going to start contributing back to the school to their endowment fund to help other students do the same thing that she did. Hmm. Interesting. So you see the FAFSA is so multidimensional. It's not just some boring form. It's a teaching tool. It's uh, it's a way to look at other things. So what's next? So you th- you complete it, you submit it. What what happens? Now you get this what do you get the student aid report that cap- that that comes after the FAFSA is completed? Correct. You'll get the student aid report about 3 to 5 days after it's completed. It's going to have your estimated family contribution on there. Uh, that's the amount that the per the form there that they think that you should be able to contribute to the cost of the college education. You know, so let's say it comes out where EFC is $10,000 and the cost of attendance $25,000. They're expecting you to come up with that $10,000 out of that 25,000. Then the schools, when they do the financial aid award letter, they're going to show you that, okay, $25,000 minus your $10,000 EFC, then, you know, Maybe we have a scholarship or a grant to fill in part of that, and here's student loans to help cover the rest. And then, you know, there may be a portion there that, you know, it's up to you to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you can go out and find scholarships, you know, private scholarships, you know, to look to your uh, parents' employers. 
uh, the current employers, uh, activities that you're involved in to look for scholarships that may be available there and apply for those to help fill in those gaps. Danny, I hope you're taking notes for the 10 kids you've got. I mean, you <laughs> hey, be, I'm just calling you guys. Yeah, yeah, so Chris, you better, Chris is on speed Yeah, you dial. know what? That's right. You got yeah, you better keep Chris. Chris, you're going to get 10 phone calls. Um, <laughs> May I ask a question? Uh-oh. After this pandemic, people have, you know, adults have been going back to school. Hmm. Would the FAFSA apply for an adult wanting to return to college? Perhaps, you know, depending on the type of school they're going to. But you did bring up a key point there, Brent. You know, with a lot of changes last year, <clears throat> your taxes that you're putting, your, your tax numbers from your uh, tax forms that you're putting into the FAFSA from the previous year. Well, you might have had a great income that year, but you might have lost your job last year. Maybe you got, you know, scaled back because of, you know, 2020. So life changes come into play there as financial life changes. Those may not be reflected properly in the FAFSA, you know, because you're looking at last year's tax numbers. Mm. So that's where you want to, you know, let's say UT is on your list or A&M. I guess I shouldn't say a specific school because somebody's going to get mad at me, right? So Yeah, you're uh, already dead in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Brent had AARP fill out his. So <laughs> oh, no. We'll see what happens. And uh, yeah. so you want to sit down with the financial aid counselor and have a conversation with them to say, you know, look, you know, we did well in you know, 2019, 2020, 2021, whatever the tax form, tax year you're looking at. However, you know, you know my spouse lost his job or uh, downsized or, you know, scaled back and income reduced. Uh, grandpa and grandma moved into the house. So life changes came into place. So those are fast and special circumstances. And I almost guarantee you if your child goes to undergrad and grad school over that six to seven year period, there is going to be a financial life change that you'll need to bring up and have a conversation with that financial aid officer about. And they have the ability to go into the FAFSA and make uh, manual changes in there to the estimated family contribution to um, weigh that out. So I don't remember this, Chris, but uh, this EFC, this estimated family contribution, aren't there calculators almost also on every school site? So say there are three colleges that your child's looking for. Uh, yes, you do the FAFSA, that's a given and all that. But isn't does every school have their own that you can actually go into their online and utilize that just to get a, ba a ballpark yes, of what you might get from the school? Most of them do. Okay. Um, so you're able to go into you know, particular school, their website, the financial aid website, uh, portion of their website, and enter in your information. It's going to give you a ballpark idea. Uh, you can go on to, you know, the FAFSA forecaster, and uh, that's a basic calculator that's on the FAFSA website that can give you a basic idea where your estimated fam family contribution is. Just a word of the wise is when you're searching for FAFSA and things like that online, there's a lot of bogus websites out there uh, that want to charge you to fill out your FAFSA, things like that. Um, gather up your information because you're putting all your personal information there as far as birthdays, social security numbers, you know, and things like that. So you have to be careful what you're doing online at all times, of course, mm -hmm. but especially with the FAFSA and uh, other, you know, it's like going to social security, get your social security statement, you know, you need to be careful. Yeah, I mean, you really do. Um, so one of the odd things, maybe this will continue into the next segment that I've noticed is that there are places in town that you go to be get coached on how to get financial aid in the FAFSA. And what I'm noticing, and I'm not saying this is incorrect and it doesn't fit, but it's immediately they send an individual to permanent life insurance. We talk a lot about the benefits 
of permanent life insurance, where policy loans do not count toward the equation of Social Security taxation, uh, additional charges on Medicare, but they also don't count on the FAFSA if I'm going to put my money there and then withdraw over a period of time. It is a viable strategy. However, what I notice, and Danny, I think you can chime in on this, is these recommendations are not made holistically. Without, they are made based on, I'm a, this is what I recommend, and I almost had a client sell everything in their stock account with massive capital gains to move into a permanent life insurance policy to do this when we had run a plan and saw that she didn't need life insurance, which was the ultimate reason why I would have recommended a policy. So I want to talk a little bit about this, this, this concept of spending down for financial aid when I might even have a 529 fully funded or more. Uh, so you've got to be careful. We're going to talk about that when we return here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Well, next Saturday, I get to get up at 3.30, get in the car, drive to Austin, go through my favorite Bucky's and Giddings. Well, it's not my favorite, but it's the smaller one. <laughs> it's the tiny beaver. Um, but we have our retirement right lane in Austin at the Domain next Saturday. And Danny, this is our, this is our education. This is our class, our awareness of retirement. Three to five years before you're ready to retire, you need to sit in on this class to understand the common mistakes that you could make and how to prepare accordingly. And we call it right lane because it's like when you're ready to exit, right? You've got a mile to your exit. You get in that right lane. How many people get derailed and have to get back on the freeway? We don't want you to get back on the freeway if you don't want to. We want you to make sure that you get to the destination. So our retirement right lane next week was to start at nine, Danny? Correct. It's at nine. And this is a class I think that a lot of people can get things out of it even prior to three to five years and to retirement. Even if you're in um, retirement. Talk, yeah. Even if you're in retirement. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things that are going to be really important. You know, how do you invest in late stage markets? What do you think about, um, you know, diversification of assets as far as where do you register funds? I mean, you guys touched on that a little bit today. Mm -hmm. And we've been covering this quite a bit, especially with hot topics being taxes. How do you mitigate some of these additional taxes that you may uh, incur and things that we haven't even thought about yet that I'm sure Congress or somebody's drumming up somewhere in, you know, the thousands of page bills that they're writing. So we need to be prepared. You need to prepare yourself, especially in retirement. When you don't have that control to go out and make more money, you've got to protect what you have. And this is yes. going to be really important. And those are going to be things that we will be talking about. So we, we were talking about this FAFSA and Chris has got a story about trade schools. But before we get into that, I want to explain there's nothing wrong with using permanent life insurance for various goals you have. But if I've already saved money in a 529 and I've got more than enough to cover a college education and I don't have a legacy intent, right? Permanent life insurance has a side benefit and that side benefit is I can withdraw. We people, people use it for long-term care expenses, uh, emergencies, uh, re supplement retirement income, all good things. But the first goal of life insurance is life insurance. 
True. Right? You don't own life insurance because you want to have shelter all your assets so that your child can fall, I think it's under the $50,000 income limit or whatever the limit is for FAFSA so that they get financial aid. That's, that's, that's sort of a very myopic way of looking at things where as fiduciaries, we have to look at everybody's big picture. And I have a wonderful client of mine I've been working with for over 20 years. And you know, before she even made this decision, thankfully, she ran it by me. And I gave her all the cons of it. There's nothing wrong with the strategy. But what will happen is people in sales are going to sell the product. As fiduciaries, we are financial partners. We help the people look at the big picture. Well, what about the taxes on this? You already have a 529. You didn't have a legacy intent. You know, that's the benefit of working with a fiduciary who's got only skin in the game is yours. And... Uh, you know, it's like when people want to spend down their, their parents' assets, Danny, to, to, to qualify for Medicaid. I'm like, why do you want to put your mom, who's got money left, in a, in a Medicaid facility when there's money there to, right? Correct. I think people make a lot of mistakes around this because they don't quite understand. And that's a big problem. You know, Lance and I broached this topic Wednesday about, about life insurance. And, mm -hmm. you know, term is still great a great thing you know we're hearing all these people who say it's either one or the other and i think you can utilize both yes in a combination for the right reasons if you have that legacy intent permanent life insurance can be great if you have an estate tax problem fantastic if you're looking to be able to distribute funds in retirement and, and you know mitigate taxes it's a great way with the right policy but you know when we're looking at death benefit for many people that risk mitigation they may not need that forever. So a term policy can be great. Mm -hmm. And it should not be all or nothing where you take everything out of one area and put it into one of these policies just to avoid or, or try to get additional funding for either Medicaid or, you know, like the FAFSA, yeah. like you guys are talking about. Yeah. So think about it, right? you got to have this legacy intent that wraps around that insurance. So you can, just to stick with the education theme, you can graduate from term to permanent. But- Ultimately, you have a legacy goal. If your plan shows that you're going to leave money behind because you just can't spend it enough, that's a nice problem to have. But that is happening. People have very modest expectations in retirement. They don't live high on the hog. They're going to leave it. Is that enough? If you want to leave more, well, of course, you can graduate to that. So make these decisions. Even if you meet with a college counselor, get a second opinion. Go to a fiduciary to have you run a plan first to see if this idea is good because it's made in a prison. It's just made in this very narrow lane. We're looking at the whole financial highway as fiduciaries. So, well, Rich, how many you yeah, use that term college counselor fairly loosely, right? <laughs> I mean, how many life insurance guys are out there posing as college counselors? <clears throat> I'm not going to go there. Um, Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up in the bunker because uh, no one's going to beat you up when you leave. Um, so true, now, very true. Chris, like we said now, okay, what if I have a child that wants to be a welder? Uh, or give me the story that you were going to bring up about um, trade schools. Sure. Yeah, Lance and Michael were talking about that yesterday on the radio show, and then you brought it up earlier today. 
And I have a friend, you know, he said he's told me the story about how he struggled to get his son out of bed to go to school in the mornings. It was just a terrible struggle. He was so happy when he finally graduated high school. Mm-hmm. He got introduced to a program working as a like an apprentice with a plumber. And this kid was starting to get out of bed like three or four o'clock in the mornings and get up and go to the job. I mean, this father is just couldn't believe it. They had to drag him out of bed to go to school. But now he's learning how to be a plumber. Loves and it. he's out of bed. He loves it. That's what he wow. wants to do the rest of his life. Of course, the plumber he's working for is making you know six-figure income. Mm-hmm. So he's seen an opportunity there in front of him, but it's doing something he loves to do. So not every job requires a college degree. You know, there's trade schools out there. You know, there's and trades are needed. You know, as far as painters, plumbers, you know, things like that, uh, electricians, very important to our society as far as our growth. Uh, to have those people in place, we see that after hurricanes, there's mm-hmm. a shortage of uh, good trades people. Uh, so don't discount. You know. You're letting your child take a look at a trade school. This is a dumb question. Can I use the FAFSA? Tra- anything like that uh, when it comes to a trade school? It depends. If it's accredited or... Yeah, the, you, know, you get down to accreditation, things like that. But be a, something that we'd sit down, take a look at on an individual basis to see if that's something you could apply. So just so you know, Chris is an expert at this. So if you need help, need a coach to, to go through this to make sure you're maximizing it, how do we get in touch with you, Chris? Well, you can go to realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, my information's on there. Uh, so just go to the website there, look up uh, our team, and then my name is Chris Liebham. Go on there and click on my name and uh, request a meeting. My phone number's on there as well, and reach out. I'd be more than happy to help you out. Excellent, excellent. I mean, again, when you look at fiduciary, we try to give you this holistic view of everything. So even when Chris does this, he's going to ask bigger picture questions, right, Danny? He's not. He's going to look at, well, do do we really need? Do you really need the aid, or what other assets do you have? It's it's, it's definitely going to be a much more holistic kind of conversation because we're not here to sell you anything. We're here to make sure you're making the right decisions. And I don't know what's going to happen as we go through the future. Obviously, college expenses are way too high. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some sort of revolution with this. And I don't know how FAFSAs are going to change. Do FAFSAs go through iterations, Chris, of change? Um, or yeah. have they been the same? Because I noticed they're easier to complete. But do qualifications like, oh, well, your 401k doesn't qualify. Now it does. Is there anything that's been a big surprise? Well, that's on coming any up, of these forms? That's coming up next year. Some big changes in the uh-oh. FAFSA for the next year or okay. proposed changes that should be coming into play and you know that's going to be instead of efc's be student aid index uh there's going to be you know in the past they'd looked at you know if you had two students in college at the same time it split the efc in half and from what i'm reading it looks like that they're not going to split that number in half if you have got or or thirds depending on how many kids you have in college um but i'm also reading where the colleges may do that individually once they receive that fafsa they're to still make it attractive to go to that school again. Remember, they're a business trying to fill those seats. Um, so, yeah, there are changes coming up the FAFSA for the next year coming up. Well, this could be good for Danny, right, for the ninth, for, for the nine kids, right? So <laughs> they're not going to look at it as just a fraction. They're gonna, you think the people looking at the FAFSA goes, how many kids does this guy have? Um, so uh, you, know what's, you know what's terrible about Danny's kids? They all look like models. That really ticks me off. I mean, you know, I mean, those kids, 
are the cutest thing, aren't they? Well, your kid turned out nice. I know, but I don't have three of them. I only had one. One's enough. <laughs> when it comes to college, luckily they get it from their mother. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that little boy looks just yeah. like you. Remember that show? Eight is enough. Brent, I used to watch that show. It stressed me out as a kid. I'd watch that show going, why would I want all these people in my house? I still think the best relationship advice is separate houses. Come to me for more relationship advice next week. Um, all right. Right Lane next Saturday. Lance on Monday. Sign up for Lance's daily commentary and newsletter at Real Investment Advice. That daily commentary is awesome. Gives you everything you need to know to start your market day if you're that concerned about it, especially with the big job report coming out. You want to know the details. Okay. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Money, money, money. Must be funny. In a rich-ass world. Money, money, money. Always Sunday. In a rich-ass world. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.